Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm super. She is super, and I am natural today. And oh. I will be the Dr. Junkie. You are definitely well, you're, junkie. Well, you're going to have to be a junkie ninja. Donkey Ninja. Dr. Junkie Ninja. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And we are the Supernatural, Supernatural Junkies. Junkies. Coming at you. Welcome to Supernatural Junkies. This is actually take three. I'm just waking up. It's early. She had her workout this morning. <laughs> but no coffee. But she's still super. Obviously, I obviously need it. But we have lots of supers here today. We're all going to be super. <laughs> super Alex. We have Super Kevin. And we have a super guest with us today. We have Pastor Alfred Johnson. He is an author, a speaker, CEO, and founder of Faith Action Ministry Alliance, Inc. Did I get it right this time? You got it right. Yes. Thank you. Well, and what's funny is Dr. Dennis is not here today. That's why we could all be super. That's just a little trash talk out to Dr. Dennis. <laughs> nice. Just always but, gotta give uh, a hard time. We have had uh, great conversations with Pastor Alfred, and I've got to hear him speak. And uh, and and I think today we're going to be talking about how to heal the race card, and it's just a, a powerful thing when you start to see the body of Christ come together. And, and, and combat really what Satan is really trying to do, which is to divide us. And uh, I know timely. that, you know, I mean, when Jesus got a chance to pray for us, he, he prayed that we would be one as he and his father are one. And so I, I look at that scripture as like the highest thing we can almost a, attend to. And yet it's so hard. You know, how, how do we deal with this stuff, you know? And so you start to see here, Pastor Alfred is going to really help us today to to work through how does, what does this really look like when it come, means to coming together and working together? So um, so I'm, I'm excited about this particular episode. Me too. This is, this is definitely something that is timely because it's everywhere right now. You can't turn on your TV. You can't read a newspaper if you still read a newspaper, um, whether online or not. But it's everywhere. Yeah. It's in every part of where we live and how we live. So that's why it's really important that we have this conversation. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah, so, so while we uh, jump in there, uh, tell us a little bit more about Faith Action Ministries and some of the things that you, you're doing with that ministry. You know, the Faith Action Ministry Alliance is a network of believers that come from diverse backgrounds. They're business owners, they're not-for-profit uh, executive directors, they're heads of households, They're you know, uh, just the common everyday Christian that's right. ready to get involved. And and also, I saw in your uh, your bio that you've had a lot of almost two decades of working in some lower income communities. What are some of the things that you you really you know were faced with when you when you did that? Well, of course, um, you know I'm black. In case you don't know, there over the. Uh, well, I didn't see the major differences. I'm, I'm black. I was raised black. So for me to communicate with black folks in black neighborhoods was just as natural as breathing. So it's not that I identified certain things among, uh, among my people group, if you will, um, that I knew I was going to have to confront because of our race. That, right. never, that never was an issue. 
Yeah, what do you, th what, I went, what I really meant by that was what do you think the issues that, that when you work with those people, what were the issues that, that you feel like that, that they're um, to be heard, to be understood, what, what's the suffering, what's, what's their emotional, what's their spiritual, what was the spiritual thing that God, when you start to work with these people that God really put on your heart? You know, what I started to realize is a lot of our uh, percep perceptions are not just coming from church. Now, that was one of the biggest surprises um, is uh, that people coming from black churches didn't necessarily have what I consider to be a Christian worldview. Now, that was a big thing with me. Wow. And uh, I was able to see how the impact of, um, of politics and media uh, definitely has an impact on the worldview of, of black uh, people that go to church. Yeah. And uh, that was a big deal. Yeah, I'd like to hear um, more about that. Like, give us, can you give us some examples of uh, how those two were affecting, how the, that wasn't the Christian worldview, they didn't have that? Right, right. Well, even just the fundamental issue of racism itself is, uh, for Christians, it should be, it should be a non-issue. In other words, when I see a white counterpart, a Chinese counterpart, an Arab counterpart, um, we, are, we are humans, number one. Right. Just plain and simple. We should know that. Just fundamentally as believers, we should know that we came from a common source and from one God. Mm -hmm. And right. that alone should be enough to just eradicate or even keep the seeds of, ra of racism from being planted and definitely to keep them from growing. But um, no, the political landscape continues to aggravate. You know, you have these people that are on media that are aggravating the divisions. And almost intentionally, to, I mean, to me, but I, I'm not black, so I, I feel like I, I don't get the opportunity to say that. Is it just, you know, so it, I think that's part of the issues. We don't understand, like, are we allowed to say that, that the media is playing to that and, yes. and lending itself to it? Absolutely. Absolutely the media is playing to it. And then, of course, um, the, the uh, politics as well, you know, this party situation that we have here, this two-party system, yeah. they are definitely using it. I there like is it, no doubt it about it. It makes it worse, doesn't yes. it? Okay, yes. Okay, so it's not just my imagination. Also, you know, it's, I, it, it's hard to get people to understand that when you go really far back and to say something like, and I know it's not nice to say, but the Ku Klux Klan were started by the Democrats. Yes. In order to get a black man that was in the Senate, wasn't it, out of, because they were upset that he got voted in for as much as they, at that time they were talking about, um, you know, race relations. Mm -hmm. When a black man got welcomed into the Senate by the Republicans, they started the Ku Klux Klan to get him out. Absolutely. That was a Democratic division. Any of those things are just ways that, to divide us, both yes. parties. Yes, and yeah. of course to keep uh, blacks from being active politically in the South and to keep the yes. influence from of Northern Republicans from coming down into the South and, and uh, affecting the outcomes of the elections. So yeah, the Ku Klux Klan was directly uh, developed because of that, to make certain that the influence of of blacks who are now going to be voting and the influence mm -hmm. of whites who would try to educate blacks or motivate them to vote that it wouldn't happen. Right, it was a form of intimidation. Absolutely yeah. a form of intimidation. Now what's strange is that the blacks in our time um, are so convinced that uh, the narrative that they're receiving today is true that they actually believe that the Ku Klux Klan were Republicans. Uh, yes, yes, I yes, know. Yes, and they're convinced of it. I had a black one time ask me, one of my, one that actually asked me whether or not, and he thought, he thought it was cute. He thought he had me trapped. Mm -hmm. He goes, Abraham Lincoln, which party was he of? He was so con he was so convinced that Abraham Lincoln was a Democrat that when I mm -hmm. when I let him know that no, Abraham Lincoln was uh, the first Republican president, uh, you wow. could see the look in his eyes as if his world was shaking. Really, something yeah. to behold. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, and I think back to, you know, you talked about this biblical worldview. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's something I was really raised in. And you go, the idea that God created mankind, male and female, created them in his image, mm-hmm. right? And the problem is, is this, this perception that when we see other people of other colors, somehow we lose the idea that they are in God's image. Yes. And, and it's crazy because, of course, what happens to light when it breaks apart in a rainbow, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you start yes. to see that we have another group of people that have stolen a miracle called a rainbow, and they use that to represent. But really, that rainbow is really what should be what? Gathering all the colors of people together, that we were all created in his image. And to me, it's very powerful. Once you start to malign, okay, if you're going to malign a skin color, you are maligning the image of God, right? You're actually having problems with your own family members, right? And we talked about this before, but, you know, you could see people that are, you know, let's say black and white, but they have more genetically in common than they do with other people that are the same color, right? So you start to realize that this is all goes back to God, that he is our father, that God created us in his image. And these are these fundamental things. And then we have that passage in the Bible that talks about in Christ, there is no more Jew nor Greek nor Scythian or all these different things that in Christ we are one. And then that's the way Jesus prayed. And that's the way we're supposed to be praying. And so then you start to work in the churches and you see this racism you think what is going on here right Hmm. and so you start to then feel all of this you know that we're not we're not really coming together the way that god wants us to and so that's why you have to have this moment before your father and he needs to sit you down Mm -hmm. right and he needs to say to you these are your brothers and sisters they look like me (laughs) right right and and until you have that moment where god says you know, I have, I am love, right? And how can you be in my kingdom if you can't love your brothers and sisters? And this is that moment where we all have to, to, to come to that point where we are all followers of God. Right. Well, the Bible doesn't say he created white Adam and white Eve. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, exactly. And we know that, you know, because mitochondrial DNA is only passed from female to female. And mitochondrial Eve, as she is called, is actually an African woman. Yep. That all women, all women carry mitochondrial DNA. And it can only be passed from woman to another woman. And so when we track all that back to DNA, mitochondrial Eve, folks, is a black woman from yep. Africa. Yeah. So yep. when, you know, you remarkable. can get real deep into this. and Real like, you know, and there's just no way to sit there and say, well, God created white Adam and white Eve. It's impossible. And it doesn't mention anything about that. Well, even wow. if you're an evolutionist, yeah, right? remember, they still don't believe in lots of different evolutions. They created all the different colors of people. No, they believe that all colors came from one. So whether you're a Christian right. or an evolutionist, this is a point that you know atheists and Christians can agree on, that we there is only one race of people, mm-hmm. and it's the human race. And so then you have to realize this is a construct that they're trying to use. And most people would understand that the way to destroy anything is to divide and conquer. And so did you see some of that, you know, happening in in the stuff that you were doing? Well, number one, I mean, you know, uh, the separation is of races is going to be, it's going to be natural. If God himself isn't going to be the center, 
to where right. we have confidence in mm. why we're here, right. what we're to be doing while we're here, and then mm. where we're going after we pass. If that's not really central to our thinking, well, then fear is going to dominate our thinking uh, mm. uh, yes. to stay alive. And we're mm. going to end up categorizing people in such a way as help as you know as it would help to preserve our survival. Right. And um, and so if you find that there's a particular kind of people from a, t- a particular kind of place, and they all descend from a particular kind of color, it's easy to categorize that group for our own survival, our own sense of survival and safety. Yep. And so the humans having that fear of death will make us, uh, you know, ascribe to this human a certain quality and to that group a certain quality so that we can uh, protect ourselves from them. We can be prepared for them when they approach us. So Mm. it's that whole survival. It's the whole fear uh, thing. And, And you know that fear and hatred, those things unite people. Uh, and it's sad to have it's sad to say this that fear and hatred and resentment unite people more efficiently than love does absolutely and, uh, and uh, so we're watching that uh, we're watching that play out you would think that the love of Christ would break down all of that uh, and it would make us want to be one and see the best in one another but uh, the fear fear and uh, uh, fear will produce those different kind of divisions and I think Two, there's something to the damage that we all take as human beings from the whatever happened to us in our lives that that fills us with those things that make it more likely to draw us together in hate. Mm. Um, we see someone that hates the same thing we hate, and because we have been hurt, it's harder to. You know, and I'm just speaking from somebody who's had you know a difficult upbringing. It was hard to see Christ as my father because I had such a strained relationship with my father. So when we damage the bonds of the family, that damages generations to come because what they're having a direct impact on, those children are also hurt and affected. And it's hard to see Christ as your father when you don't have a father or you don't wow. understand that. Wow. Right? No, you're right. Wow. Yeah. And, and I so could... we, I think that's when we talk about... Um, especially when we start talking about in urban areas how damaged the family unit is i think that has so much to do with that don't you i absolutely believe that yeah absolutely absolutely you know and so in our family you know we were certainly raised that you know all of god's children are his image but for me i will tell you that you know the first temptation was to if you eat of this you'll be like a god right and so this is where some of our arrogance comes in right so then if i look like god Anybody that looks differently from me, does that make sense? Yes. They have to be less than. Yes. Right? Because this is that part. And so this is where... That's human vanity, though. It really is. But I'm just telling you, human vanity, my own included, (laughs) has really led me into maybe not doing things like racism, not necessarily for color, color, but I did them to other people for those reasons. Does that make sense? Because Mm -hmm. of my own vanity... Uh, I considered them to be inferior. Does that make sense? Yes. And so you can see how That's people honest. can use their own yeah. pride yeah. To, to beat people up with this, right? Good news, everyone. What? We have a new channel called The Supernatural Junkies on Rumble. That's amazing. What, how do they find us on Rumble? Well, first of all, instead of searching for videos, search for channels. Look up Supernatural Junkies, and there we are. That's awesome. You guys got to check it out. God bless you guys. And uh, we, we were one of our verses with our kids the other day was about the one who 
a fool has more chance of being right, basically, than somebody who thinks they're wise. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So you start to realize your own pride, you wanting to be like God. We all want to be special. And I think that's still cool. Yes, yeah. But this is something else. And that's what I think comes out in a lot of racism is pride. That people, they feel they're defending what? You know, they're, that they're more like God than you are, right? Or they're better than you or that they're wiser than you. And I think that ties into our pride, which is a real problem for lots of us. So I want to ask you a question because um, this was something that um, Kevin said, well, Pastor Alfred wants to talk to us about this. Why did you want to talk to us about this? On this, why on this platform? We didn't pray for the people listening either, by the way. Should we do one? We should. We should start praying right now. Okay, let's do it. Go ahead, Pastor. Sure, don't mind at all. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful. Uh, Daddy, we know that your love for people is so real. So real. All over the world, there are testimonies of you just changing people's lives, no matter where they're from, no matter what their background is. Your spirit is awesome. Your love Mm. is real. And the Christ and his power and his reality, wow, having amazing impacts. Now, Daddy, the people that are listening to us right now, yes. uh, we're praying, uh, sir, that the understanding of that divine love yes. would just per- penetrate all of our hearts, making us new people, making us heroes in this generation, people who will fight for that true divine image that unites us all and, and, and heads us in a course that is right. We're asking that your Holy Spirit would be here doing that to all of these listeners. We pronounce a blessing, yes. a great power upon these now as they hear what we're about to say about these race relations. May they take it in and get ready to go ahead and enact it. Not be afraid to enact these things that they're about to hear so that they can bring about peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, you That's said, right. Daddy. And so let it be today, your power upon uh, the audience to do what you have ordained them to do to unite. Let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I like that he called him daddy. <laughs> That's really what Abba really means, you know, and we should yeah. probably say daddy more often. Yes. That felt really good when you said that. <laughs> okay. So when we think about, you know, why do you think this race car is so powerful? Yes, and, and what made you want to come here today? Well, I tell you what, you know what? I was actually uh, raised, my mom and dad, my dad was um, raised low-income black in Georgia, of course. My dad, uh, right now, if he were still living, he would be 80, uh, actually, he'd be 93. Wow, my wow. dad would be 93 years old. Mm. And uh, so he was raised in, uh, in, in Georgia, family, of course, poor. His dad was a sharecropper. Uh, my mom was raised in South Florida, family, again, also poor. Their areas would be would have been considered ghetto or low income, okay. uh, but what they did for us, my dad happened to join the military, which did a lot of good for him and it secured his future in terms of retirement. But what it did for us, uh, my dad having that kind of regular income, decent income, and coming from the military, and my mom, she began to work in hospitals as as like a nurse's uh, aide. They raised us up in a white neighborhood, mm-hmm. so we were in the home. We were. We were raised as low-income blacks. We spoke that way. Uh, our ideas were formed that way because our parents came from that. But outside of the home, it was all white. We were the first blacks to move into that neighborhood. It was right wow. here in South Tampa, actually. My wow. dad retired from MacDale Air Force Base, and we moved about a mile off base. Mm. Oh, wow. And uh, what it did is it gave us a perspective that is um, that a lot of my black peers don't get a chance to experience. Uh, being we do understand where we've come from but then we're raised in a white neighborhood and we're able to understand their perspective so all of our all of my brothers and sisters were like bicultural if you if you would yeah um, <laughs> like and, it, and it did something wonderful for us because it removed intimidation um, mm-hmm. you know there are many of uh, my black uh, friends and um, 
peers that have this innate sense of inferiority. They really do. Mm -hmm. The whites run all the big things from, uh, you know, they're the scientists. They are the big doctors. They right. are the big creators, you know, mm -hmm. uh, those big things. They control the economy, the banking uh, system. Um, you know, if there's any kind of peace that is in the world, the whites are leading it, you know, then again, they were ones that were causing the massive destruction as well, but also, but they lead these peace initiatives. And so the strongest military in the world, white military uh, power, um, but you know, and so it's easy to feel inferior then in terms of even how we speak how we communicate so in school a child learns right from the get-go when he goes to school that how he learned english at home wasn't necessarily the best way of learning it so right from the word go mm. um you know we were taught that uh things you know within our within our social construct were not right mm. they were not fully correct and, mm, um, wow. and, and and also just the dynamic of how we relate. So in our home, arguing was, we loved it. Mm. I mean, in the Johnson family, we argued all the time. Mm. And still to this day, the Johnsons, if we get together, if our wives are not there, now our wives cannot be there. But if, if it's just the Johnson boys, we will argue and mm -hmm. we love it. Mm -hmm. The thing about, we love it. And, uh, wow. and so, you take that, however, and that was comfortable for us. Well, you take that into a context where there's mostly whites. Right. And now we're viewed differently. Yeah. Amen. We're viewed oh, differently. Oh, you become aggressive. Yeah. They would view oh, us as aggressive. Yeah. And because we were constantly combating each other's ideas, uh, when it came to the classroom, the teacher, to me, was just another uh, conveyor of ideas. Right. Whose ideas needed to be challenged, challenged. if necessary. Amen. And so I, I would do it. I the same way when I was in high school. Yes. Well, I was I doing that in first grade. I was I getting in all kinds of trouble. Me too. Because I would confront the ideas. And, oh, um, my Lord. And, um, and so, again, I remember one of the teachers, um, I was in second grade, and we were in the library, and the teacher ended up, through her disciplinary measures, don't you know, she ended up having a certain table where all the ones who weren't, who weren't behaving correctly sat. So she did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. Just to, And do you know all of us at that table ended up being black? You know? I was just so, going to ask her, yeah. Yeah, the whole table ended up being black. So which that, again, reinforced the idea that our behavior was inferior mm. uh, to the rest. So this is part of that holding the media where you know it perpetrates that image of the black man being aggressive yes yep. oh all right yeah. so it's based on just because in your family that was a normal thing Is, oh yeah would you say that's for a lot of black families that's normal well especially now because if you don't have the father in the home see our aggression only went so far um so i wasn't allowed to hit my little brother oh, oh man i'd get in all kinds of oh ho, 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 ho. My goodness! Even you if could I, I argue, hit him, but you couldn't whack him. You couldn't hit. <laughs> correct. So we weren't allowed to to go there. And so also the tone of our voice. If our dad was home, our voices had to be subdued. So we learned that in certain contexts, we weren't able to raise our voice above a certain level without my dad getting involved, mm -hmm, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, if you don't have a father involved, you don't learn certain conflict re resolutions. Okay, yeah. uh, the mother is emotionally distraught because that the, the father's, the baby's dad is not living at home. All mm. of the stress of grooming the child, raising the child, providing for the child is on the woman's head. And then she's having to deal with this father yeah. who, who knows what he's doing. Well, those children are going to feel that. The children are going to yeah. get the brunt of that. Um, 
they're going to they're going to try to get the stuff that they want the way that they've learned to get it from that kind of context the mm. competition between uh siblings for the attention of their mom who's stretched to i don't know what all of that stuff does make a difference so there the conflict resolution that the that the blacks that come from these kind of communities have is 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 bad it's, it's not good yeah. it isn't good and wow. so uh so yeah you realize like how much has to be healed yes in order to heal this rift with Jesus, right? Yep. Yes. That relationship, everything else needs to heal so that we can have that healthy relationship. But yeah, you just blew my mind with that one. And so that we can also relate with other people. Yeah. Because um, you let an individual that was trained to believe that we are being hurt by the white race. Right. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's ingrained day mm -hmm. after day after day. And then the media reinforces that. Well, that same that same attitude that doesn't know how to resolve conflict informs them on how to relate with the other race. Mm. They end up fighting every idea that comes, um, and uh, and they weren't taught to reason things out. That's another thing that my dad did that helped mm. us. Um, he didn't necessarily teach us the art of arguing, but he did teach that us. That came natural. That came natural. <laughs> Uh, yes, they argued. My parents argued, so it came natural. But the art of reasoning, my dad required that we thought well. So if we're going to disagree with him, right, um, we had to come with um, some good, candid Sound reasoning. Yeah. Uh, if not, my dad would get upset. You better come with something reasonable. And um, so that helped us out. Amen. Yeah. I think that's my new approach with my children. Well, <laughs> it depends on the child. It might work for one or not the other. Um, but you, you know, and you think about that and you're like, well, that was the Greek school, you know, that, that just sitting there and debating yes. in the public square. Wasn't that the way you were supposed to do it? Yes, I so think you, so. It's, yeah, it's a very traditional way of educating as well. It makes sense. But I do see how the media then played on that um, and started painting the black man as aggressive, yes. you know, and then, you know, and we saw it everywhere. It took over in movies, right? Right. And everything that we did in writing, it becomes a part of everyday life. Right? Yes. You start to view that as that's the way it is. And the tougher part is that the blacks, uh, especially the young blacks, accept it. They learn to embrace that. I remember going to this movie where it was called, I think it was called Take or something like that. You got a part mm -hmm. of me. And the movie was about uh, criminal behavior and getting what you want by your means, using whatever power you had. And I remember the heroes, you know, when you're going to the movies, you're looking for the good and the bad and looking how it resolves. Well, in this particular movie cinema, my race was celebrating the villain mm. who were on the take and using mm. their cunning to get what they wanted. Right. That was um, that was almost like a wake-up call for me that I really need to dive into this issue mm. and uh, and become a voice. That was big. That yeah. Was big. yeah. Yeah, so how do you think the political parties are, are dividing us or how do you think they're playing a part in um, really part of keeping this race thing going? How do you think that's involved there? Well, you know, um, of course, we're, we're this uh, constitutional republic, don't you know? But the, de the left, um, you know, they mentioned that we're a democracy, right? Well, so, you know, um, there's power that's derived from uh, using that race card. There's, a, there's an inherent power, and then there's latent power. There, the, the direct power is the votes. If you can convince people that there's an enemy out there who's trying to hurt you, mm -hmm. uh, and if you team up with us, 
You see, we're going to make certain that they don't hurt you and that you get the provisions that you deserve. Mm -hmm. Well, that's okay. So if they can convince the people that that is the truth, well, then that's an obvious power. Right. But then there's other latent powers that end up manifesting later, such as when I need the agreement of this one particular group. So if I'm a politician, I need the agreement of this group to push a certain agenda. Mm -hmm. The fact that you've developed the relationship with them that secures their survival they are more than likely going to be willing to partner with you over other political things as well that are outside of just the voting. Right. So you would think that blacks would protest everything from, let's just, I don't know, let's just mention abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very much over uh, represented in, in, the, in, the, in the abortions. I'm talking yeah. about hundreds percent uh, over represented in, in, the, in the abortion uh, uh, stats. You would think that we would fight that. You would think that we would view that as racist. Right. I mean, here we right. are complaining that officers might shoot 12 to 19 unarmed blacks throughout the nation in one year. You're looking at, wait a minute, uh, FBI, are you telling me that these officers have killed 19 unarmed blacks in a nation that has 400 million people? Mm-hmm. And that is a travesty, don't you know, even though they're not going to tell you why they were actually shot. Right. And what else? What other factors were involved? They're not going to. They're going to. They're not going to mention that they were just unarmed black. But we're going to be up in arms about that and burning cities, don't you know? Right. But when you consider that they are killing our babies by the millions, mm. right? And a black would not consider that to be an aggression right. against More our race. Babies are killed in New York City through abortions than actually are born. Yes. More black babies like that is a travesty that is. is disgusting yes and, now, and you would think that's, that that's the not blacks, racist that's right not racist. that's not that's not considered racism so what right. happened on this issue of abortion the blacks are complicit mm. with these people who are being voted in that are pushing those ideas and the blacks have a hard time disagreeing because after many decades of having it drilled into our heads that our friends are from this particular party and that what they're doing is in our best interest no matter what yeah. we see it's easy to go ahead and back politicians that you know, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna even think about See, it like this. I just had a light bulb go off, keep going. Yes, you're not gonna even be thinking about, wait a minute, if I put this person in office, there's gonna be tens of thousands of blacks that'll be killed over these next few years, adding up to hundreds of thousands and even millions over the years, having a direct impact on the power of our race. Mm-hmm. So like right now, the number one minority group in our country are folks that are coming over the border now. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are Mexicans. They mm-hmm. are the number one racial minority in the country. That wasn't so when I was younger, it was blacks. Really? Yes. Now, the percentage between the two, I believe that, you know, mostly it's white in America. And then I think 17 to 19% are Latino, although it might be higher now with Mm -hmm. that. And then 13% are black. Yes. And then it's divided amongst all the other races. That's not how it was when I was younger. It went directly from the whites to the blacks to the Latinos. And you can see that's really affected populations. What's funny is if you look at populations in general, you know, this is the way Islam has really taken over the world. Mm -hmm. And I've had a young lady that was able to speak Arabic and, of course, she's Jewish, and she's hearing them saying this. I mean, right in the grocery line. And you can look at what's happened in Europe. You know, they let the the Islam peoples in, and all of a sudden they just start having babies like crazy. Mm -hmm. And, of course, those whole those societies are some of them down to, for a couple, 1.1. To 1.3. Mm-hmm. That's Europe. So then this other people group comes in, and that's what's happening in the next 25 years. Mm-hmm. It's almost all going to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. Now, for America, they say if you drop below 1.4, 
it's irreversible. The only thing that keeps us at 1.7, which is the bare minimum, is the Latinos because they're the ones having all the kids. So you start to see here, it doesn't make any sense that if you really believe in your race, how in the world can you not be having children and taking care of those children? Because that is how everything has changed. Right. Islam knows this, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so your Bible tells you that. It's really the future generations, that mm -hmm. it's, it's training up the children in the way that they should go, and then what? They don't depart from it, and that, those children will change a nation. And that's really what Booker T. Washington really bought into. Yes. That if you, we can educate this new group of people, they're going to be the ones who set the trends. And yes. those two men, Booker T. Washington, George Washington Carver, they set the trends You know, for their day and age. Everybody who was anybody went there, right? So this is just a stream of consciousness. I think I'm trying to put it all together in my head. But I'm seeing the bigger picture here because this is so deep. This issue is so deep. So, you know, you, you have to look at the Cardi B's and the Nicki Minaj's. We also have to look at what movies are happening because the young people, right, very influenced. But so, we, you know, it's a culture that we have somehow told black people it's okay those abortions are okay we've put it in movies we put it and we start to tell them that like it's okay for a woman to be as sexual as a man and and to have these same desires that your desires are not for motherhood your desires are for success for this for accomplishment we start to reframe those things but we know specifically who those their larger audiences are mm -hmm. right we know who cardi b's largest audience is but if we can convince so we start to reframe that, that the Planned Parenthood is there for your help. It's not, it wasn't there as, as some sort of racial cleansing, as mm -hmm. an intentional racist construct, right? And we start to tell women to reframe how they think about families and children and that, you know, um, that somehow that's not your responsibility, that you should be as free as a man and that um, somehow getting an abortion is liberating and, and sexualizing yourself to the point to where we no longer value a family in, in wanting to create that and it's not important to us. It's not important enough to save. If it goes wrong, there's somebody else. You, you know what I mean? It's, so it's this whole brainwashing that goes so deep. It goes far deeper than this podcast can get, get into because these, you know, these Cardi B's, they've been convinced that that's the way it should be. And they're influencing millions Absolutely. of young people. But the, the, the young people were prepared for them. So it's not as if they changed the young people to become that way. The right. young people were prepared, prepared for it's, it. So, that's, they're steeped in it. They're soaking yes. in it, right? What, yes. What do, you, what do you mean by prepared? Uh, they're prepared for it. So here's what happens. So number one, they had to go ahead and begin the process of disintegrating the black family. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say that they did Amen. it on purpose because there's no way that you don't understand the power of engaging even economically. So getting involved in your society economically, there's going to be certain kinds of morals mm -hmm. that are going to that you're just going to take in just along the way. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about just the fact that you have to show up to work on time, dressed a certain way, representing a certain way, speaking to people a certain way. Those kind of behaviors and ideas they, they, they reinforce themselves over the years and it gets it's inculcated it gets it becomes part of your thinking if you attack that by giving free money mm -hmm. that is you're going to control the the subsist the subsistence of this particular race those morals are no longer inculcated 
there's no direct connection between what I do and what I'm becoming. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different thing. A whole other set of rules enter in. And so if you can disarm mm -hmm. the black from actually believing that your actions and your choices are, are affecting your outcome, that no, it's you. You yeah. own it. If you can keep them from believing that, then you've opened them up for all kinds of ideas. They become confused yeah. about outcomes. So most blacks want to be rich, just like whites want to be rich, and everybody else wants to be rich. So if our race as a whole is not becoming rich, richer, then, the prob then what's the problem? Well, they've been fed that it's the white man that's the problem. Mm -hmm. and, and it took time to get us there, but you have a good portion of, the, of blacks that actually believe that racism is the primary problem in our whole country. It's by no means primary. If you will get out there and just get a job, don't uh, have children until you get married. Get married first, have ch and then get a job for crying out loud before you have the children. You'll be in, mid in the middle class in the next two to three years. Your family will be solid enough to support itself. And if you wanted to become something greater, great. Invest in yourself. Learn. What's keeping us from going to school? Nothing. Mm -hmm. but, um, but if you weren't raised knowing that your actions have direct consequence on what you're becoming and what you're able to acquire, well, you've just, you've just disarmed an entire race. And by them conditioning these young black girls and boys, that money just drops out of the sky in the form of EBT mm -hmm. and that you're able to get food without work. There's no relationship between what I do and this food coming to my table. Mm -hmm. That disarming of the black uh, state of economy even, and then the social relations that were a part of that as well, um, when that becomes depleted, because you're no longer practicing the behaviors that make for success, mm -hmm. you are ripe for somebody to come with some messed up idea of wokeism or whatever else. You're going to be ready for it. Wow. It's self-sustaining at some point. Yes. You know, it just keeps, uh, the circle keeps going and keeps going. And it's because it has to be fed. Yeah. It keeps being fed. And it, that's on purpose as well. Yes, there are, it there is. are groups that hate our country who are organizing to make certain that these critical elements of our society are set on edge against one another in order that they might be able to promote the general downfall of the country. This stuff is real, it's not make-believe, it's going on right now. Right. So racism itself is a powerful tool in the hands of these people, mm -hmm. and they're not willing to let it go. That's why Justice Thomas has to be re-identified. He's, no, he's not a black man that has risen to the heights of judicial success mm -hmm. and is, is worthy of being remembered after he leaves this planet. No, 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 no. Right. See, we have to redefine him and every other black who is like him. Wow. And, uh, and this is what they're doing. So um, I wish I could remember exactly what show this was on. But, um, and this was a guy who led on a Black Lives Matter guy. And the man was, he really wasn't a hater. He was pretty eloquent. He was mm -hmm. pretty well put together. He put together some really nice points. And he gets to the end and he asks him, you know, what's your solution, right? And of course, it always comes back to, you know, give us all this stuff, right? And so then the guy says, well, I'm gonna offer you one other solution. And he says to him, what if every father went back home to his children, okay? And I'm telling you, the man could not, he says, well, that would work too. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and you start to realize here the fundamental thing that once they made it more profitable for, a woman to raise her children without her husband than it was to keep him. They made this scenario where they destroyed the family. And if you just, all you have to do is read your Bible. Every time the family gets destroyed, the society, the culture, 
Like you could see the fatherlessness, right? That we're dealing with an entire generation. This is black and white right now. We have a complete generation that's not being fathered. And that's where this is supposed to come from. So they know this. They know that scripture that, you know, train up the child in the way she should go, right? They know it better than we do. How do we know that? Well, that's what they're, that's the plan that they're actually following. We're the ones who have forgotten that. And so mm -hmm. that's how they're getting to the children. That's how they're raising the children. And that's how they're being prepped for this. And then you can see, again, that this basic principle that God is not mocked. Every man will reap what he sows. And yet they aren't allowed to believe that. They right. have to blame this yes. on somebody else. Yes. Right? And so if you're a Christian, not only should you not, you should know that you're, you're in your father's image no matter what color you are. Mm -hmm. Right? You're, there is no such thing right. really as races in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that we're all one. But then you should also know that, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Some stuff just happens. But again, in general, every man reaps what he sows. And so if I don't want what I have, then I need to do something different. I need to sow something different. So you can see, mm -hmm. this is the stuff that our parents teach us. This is fundamental truths of the Bible that our, our God promises that he can make this happen for us. Yeah, the thing about it is, uh, if the father or the parents aren't able to do it, you would think that the, the society, our schools, our media, and everything else would be like a supplemental scaffolding to try to strengthen the society by giving the proper facts, giving the proper worldview. Uh, but they don't. They won't even give basic facts like this one. Mm -hmm. If our system, if this American system was fundamentally racist, then you would see the same stats for married blacks as you would see for unmarried blacks with their right. children. That is, if the system is fundamentally broken by race well then why would it be that married blacks biological mother and father with their children are nearly on par with the biological whites with their children or higher actually yeah. income yep why is right? it both parents stay together of a, a black couple they actually end up doing about it better financially than white couples i don't doubt it no that's the I mean, and if it's not better it's at least on par yeah yep. Yeah. And by the way, that goes for all races as well. Yeah. We don't right. see those great disparities. And by the way, the, the media is slick. So what they do is they combine the great disparities. So the blacks that don't have their dad at home or their single parent, they combine that with the successful married couples. They unite them, and then they talk about the disparity of income between the blacks and the whites. Mm. These, these folks are mm. slick. I'm telling you, instead of telling the blacks that, no, you do realize that if you remain married, husband, go yeah. ahead and get a job. Wife, get a job as well. Yeah. But stay with your family. Provide that, 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 that home structure. Here, mm. this is what the consequences are going to be as they're playing out. If you're a single uh, uh, parent family, here go the statistical outcomes of your, of your situation. They won't even do that. Matter mm. of fact, to even state that is considered racist. Right. To even state it. Well, and you know, what really comes out to me too, you know, you see where some of this is coming from in the media. You can see we're on the, the Democratic side, why they've kind of, again, picked this particular issue because they can get people to vote and it's something that people can at least, it, it's my tendency to want to blame somebody else yes. for why I'm not doing well. Yes. I mean, there's, I mean, it started in Little League for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And you start to really realize that this is a narrative that we do tend to want to. So when you think about this on the Republican side, what are the Republicans doing that's also playing into this? What do you think? And, and maybe what do they need to do differently? 
Well, I tell you what, um, the Republicans don't know how to play the game. So the, and they don't typically think that they would need to, and they shouldn't have to. Right. Our, our Constitution is straightforward enough. And we're also seeing the, the, the reality that when blacks do engage economically, when we go into the business world and we properly prepare ourselves, we succeed. Mm-hmm. So there's really no need for the, for the Republicans to have to create some special black agenda. Right. Because it is it is a matter of fact that if we would keep our families together and little by little move ourselves ahead, grab the education that you can, grab whatever preparation, but be moral and head forward, there's going to be success. Our country is beautiful. The opportunities are magnificent. There's more that opens up to you as you head along in this journey. There's more opportunities than you're able to take advantage of. Our country is so blessed. You have, you have to actually say no to a thousand things yes. so that you can truly succeed. That's how blessed our nation is. Yeah. Um, so the Republicans didn't feel as if it's necessary. Liberty enough is necessary, and they are correct. If you have a moral people that are free to pursue happiness as it as they would like it, mm-hmm. and you you just you, we all agree that so long as you do it without hurting your fellow man, but get going and pursue happiness, enjoy this yeah. beautiful thing that we have here called liberty in America. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the Republicans just naturally know that this being the case, they didn't have to try to mm-hmm. create a game. The other party, yes, and even though, again, you know, we want to be one with them, but they have created a strategy. There's something going on on that part of the aisle where they're playing a game of chess. And so while the while the conservatives and the Republicans are going to work and making their money and going home to their families and sending their kids to wherever they send them for school, um, these folks are not doing that. They're Mm -hmm. plotting. These yes. people are they're 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 strategizing on who gets voted where, who's this, and 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 they listen. They yep. paid attention to the school boards mm-hmm. way before we just were yes, awakened. That's right. They made certain to put those people there. It was strategic. This stuff did not just happen overnight. No, it's, it's been. They're it's, using God's game plan. It's the children. It totally. It's, it's like the they read generation. the Bible and they they read the Bible and they everything they that's in there there it's like a step-by-step plan of how to tear it down and break it down but if you vote that way you're voting for your captor it's like stockholm syndrome you've fallen in love with that very thing that oppresses you and keeps you down and yes it's it's every generation in the bible you go back to deuteronomy 6 6 they have walked into the promised land and god's going to tell them how to keep it teach your children diligently everywhere you go when you walk by the way when you lay down when you get up it's the family that's how you have this this success. And so you start to see they knew this. And it's just every generation, that's how they're using this against us. But, but you know, you think about, for me on the Republican side, is that, first of all, I hate to see, sometimes I feel like we don't want to see Christianity divided over being Republican or Democrat, right? Okay. So Christ is way bigger than that. And we have souls on both sides that absolutely need to be reached. But you've identified so many key parts, like the family, the fatherhood, the abortions. If you really love the black okay, community, right, and the black race, then why in the world are you supporting all these children being killed? right Mm -hmm. it's it doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. and how can you take no responsibility for where you're at if you're a christian every man must reap what he sows right and you have your opportunities you're going to have some bad stuff happen to you 
And that's not necessarily racism. That's just life, mm-hmm. right? And so we, we, we don't have any of this parenting going on. And I think you can see that if we were to try and reach these people groups, then we have to begin to do some of these basic reasonings. Like you said, your dad, come to me, but you better have a, yes. a, a, compa- a, a logical story. And that's what we're not. We're not addressing their side of the story. You know, and we're, we're seeing this in flame. We're raising an entire generation that actually hates America. Yes. And, and let me tell you where a lot of that influence came from. So, and here's where, we, this is another area where Republicans, ooh, we are being outplayed. This stuff is remarkable. So every social program that exists out there mm-hmm. is Democrat dominated. Mm-hmm. They're going to be having interface with low income black and brown on yep. a regular basis. Every time you apply for any benefit, you are directly being, uh, it's being done by a representative of that particular party. Mm-hmm. For the most part, right. they're going to be mostly Democrats. Your interface is going to be regular. The Republicans, therefore, are not going to have that same kind of interface. Right. Furthermore, in the different black community organizations, mm-hmm. they are conditioned by those same local players mm-hmm. to demand money from the federal government to get and to get money to their local to to their local situation. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have you have these the entitlement offices that are all over the low-income black community, right. the abortion centers all over the yep. low-income black communities, and they're having constant interface. Yes. So that even the spankings that you get, you know, if the foster system comes, even the spankings, that is the fatherly function of, okay, you can't do that. Even those are Democrats. Those right. are all, the yeah. whole construct, the Democrats are intertwined and they're there and they have long roots that have been there for decades. Whereas the Republicans, the only roots that we do have is the fact that uh, businesses, Right. We have the businesses mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the police are generally on our side and the military. But these are not the daily interactions that black get, blacks get when they're applying for any benefit. That's you true. name it. You That's name true. it. So there's a greater entrenchment of the it's troops from the other side. Systemic. Yes. Systemically yeah. working within our communities. Yeah. And the Republicans, um, matter of fact, when I go to Republican meetings, I am so saddened about how they view you can win the blacks. Well, you know, we, we ought to um, we ought to go and enroll more blacks to vote. And I'm sitting there thinking, you, you guys are so backwards. So you're meaning to tell me you're going to go into black communities. You're going to you're going to get them registered to vote. And you're thinking that if they did vote, it's going to play in the in the favor of the Republicans because you and you registered them. Folks, that's not how this no. works. They're going to vote the way they would vote, whether you enrolled them or whether our, our Democrat uh, counterpart Americans enrolled them. That's mm. not going mm. to work. You're actually hurting our cause. That I know it's, it's counterintuitive, but it's true. You'll be hurting the conservative cause mm-hmm. by going there and trying to get them to register the vote. What you need to do is before the election comes about, we need to entrench ourselves. There's a, there's a variety of ways of getting, of getting involved. This mm. is where FAMA, this is why we do what we do. So to open up a private Christian school and to make certain that these children in the low-income setting are under our auspices, mm-hmm. where we're able to demonstrate, not only teach, but demonstrate that a particular world view is better than the other. Yeah, and that's... That Amen. Was, yeah, Ooh, I love yes. that. And that's that's so true, to show them, like, you actually have more opportunities. Let me tell you the ways in which we have helped you and are helping you and are willing to yes. engage you. That's so important because I think once you see that, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is what this is supposed to be. Yes. Instead of 
getting someone dependent on a system that just keeps them in that position. Absolutely. Which is what the Democrats are hoping for. Mm -hmm. There's this great study, I think it was in the 70s, so we, when we even talk about a black neighborhood as opposed to a white neighborhood, look around you and look at that neighborhood and what it is. It is densely populated. There yes. tend to be urban, densely populated areas. So the study was with rats. And they took a bunch of rats. And first, there were not that many in that community that they were keeping in housing. Then they started throwing a bunch of them, overpopulating it. Do you know what happened to those rats? Mm. They started to, there's a lot of you know, and that doesn't normally have homosexual behaviors for animals, right? But they started homosexual behaviors. They started um, almost doing cruel things to each other and eating each other once mm. they were so densely packed in this area. And uh, if you don't think that, the, as they say, the black neighborhoods are set up that way on purpose, That's I right. believe that yep. they are. If the, the, so even when they would have babies, the fathers of those babies, which would normally come around and help the mom, stopped coming around and helping the mother of the, you know, the rats. And so, and I'm not saying <laughs> that black people are rats at all. I'm just saying this is what this study was. You know, this is a fact. This was about this. Well, then you look at those urban areas and how those communities are set up to be so densely populated. And that's intentional as well. Yes. And when you start even going back into the 70s, when we started these neighborhoods right and we were appealing to the blacks come live in this neighborhood right but then the income was set at a rate that the father had to work so many hours mm -hmm. right that was also part of it these were not things that were created by republicans mm -hmm. these were set up oh look at this community for you by mm -hmm. the democrats it just takes someone with the desire and the ability to look a little further into these things to see yes. that you're not being benefited here. You're intentionally being harmed and hurt. And the fact that now we're saying we're going to pay this much money for your children. Each child is worth this much. We're going to give you this much and you don't have to work for it. But that means you also give up your parenting yes. to those people, right? Because right. in order to get that money, your child has to be enrolled in this program yes. that is, they're going to be surrounded by their very captors, yes. their oppressors, hmm. which, how do we change that? How do we get that, for people to recognize that's exactly what's happening? Right. Because so, then, you know, now we can ensure that generations to come Right, we'll be on their side. This is like Game of Thrones, right? Yes, it's you're exactly right. The real life Game of Thrones. <laughs> so we, it has to be strategized. Yeah, you know, you have to treat the community like a garden. So uh, our thing, we do that. We treat the community as a garden. Yeah, so whatever we're wanting to grow, it's going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to make it happen. It doesn't just grow on its own. If you whatever it is that you want to grow from a particular garden, you mm -hmm. actually have to work that field, plant what you want to plant, protect it from different mm -hmm. uh, things that would want to kill it. Rape what but, you sow. Yeah, but you have to be determined to do that. We don't find that the Republicans are doing that on the local level. They're not. There is no strategy. There is no plan um, uh, of helping low-income areas. Uh, there is no plan. So that's what FamAlliance.org does? Yes, absolutely. Tell, tell us more about that. It's, it's completely strategic in that regard. Our whole thing is to treat the neighborhood as if it were a garden. Mm. So you and, you and you want to literally focus on it just like that. So again, the school is nothing more than, for me, it's an outreach. It's ability to have these children under our auspices, and then we provide the mentoring that we know is going to be best for the children. We're going to direct them heavenward. Yes. And we're also going to, even the teachers that we hire, they're going to be modeling. Most of our teachers are married and been married for many years. All of the administrative staff is married. 
my wife and I've been married for 33 years. The principal and his God wife have been married for decades. And Amen. so we have, we have all of this going on there, but we want the children to see it. But then there's other ways of getting out there as well. We do a survey where we go door to door to assess the felt needs of the community. Now, as believers, we already know what the real needs are, mm -hmm. but the felt needs are the bridges to their family. Amen. And um, you, getting groceries, yes. paying those bills, having electricity, having water, having yes. money for food. Yes. Yeah. Now, those right there, we would end up looking for even even different ones than those because what happens is the Democrats have already won that arena yeah. and they're doing it unconstitutionally. Yes. You know, but in terms of uh, home ownership, let's just see, home ownership. Oh, yeah. Well, then we will use that to teach basic economy. We'll use that to teach about the strength of family, how mm -hmm. a two-income home. In other words, you use that and um, you're able to mentor that way. And there's a plethora of other ways. So the low-income community, you know that the criminal element is high. And uh, there's not enough money to buy good lawyers. Mm -hmm. Well, if you if the if the, the alliance actually has law firms that are part of our organization, mm -hmm. so that when we do do the surveys and we find that there are families that are needing some kind of legal representation or at least some counsel, we'll provide pro bono counseling to the entire yes. family because we do the family. It's on purpose. Yes, we want the entire family heading heavenward. So we are going to answer their felt need of having good counsel and how to approach this this court case that's about to occur. Um, but no, but we use that to then mentor the entire family. We will speak mm -hmm. about the behaviors that lead to this kind of outcome. But then we're going to also talk about some small adjustments that could be made to put the whole family on a different course. So we would train the attorneys on how to approach the family, as well as keep your eyes open for other opportunities for us to be able to serve them and direct their whole worldview in a different direction. But there are a plethora of those kind of things. How about this one? A simple one. My mom is in the hospital. She has diabetes. You would think that that information, that's perfect information for a local pastor in that community to know. You treat mm -hmm. the entire neighborhood like it's your congregation, not just the four walls. That is ridiculous, and I think it's unbiblical. Mm. The whole community is your congregation. Mm. And if you know that there's a, a grandmother over there that's in the hospital, for you to go and sit down and read with her and spend some time is going to build mm. those bonds that make for them wanting to fi find out who you are. And that's why God made love a command. Yep. Uh, you are commanded to build the relationships, commanded to do it, not commanded to feel love. You're commanded to do love. Mm. You get out there and the outcome of that is an increased amount of influence so that you can help direct people's lives. But it happens when we when we actively engage in uh, um, in purposeful relationship. If the Republicans would wise up dive in view these communities strategically plant work with organizations like ours i was just thinking that yes right yeah. we're willing to start other schools in other communities i know how to how to start the school from the ground up so that's how we started it so i have the full experience in how to do it mm. let's gather other black conservatives or brown conservatives let's strategize on how to get these schools in low-income uh, communities across the state mm. let's make certain that they're properly funded and that the leadership is conservative Space. Why not? Why can't yeah. we do that? And mm. um, the opportunity exists. You, by, by the way, you might say, yeah, but private schools, you mean the parents have to pay for that? The parents can't pay for that. That's ridiculous. No, the Republicans in our state have created a school choice atmosphere where there are actually dollars available for low-income students. And I'm not talking about welfare dollars. It's either the same dollars that provide for the public schools mm -hmm. or it's dollars that are provided by companies 
who the Republicans, these guys were brilliant, they set up a dollar for dollar tax credit for organizations to be able to donate to the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship Program, mm -hmm. and then those dollars are redirected to private schools. Mm -hmm. So we can get those children in a private school setting, smaller classrooms, more manageable, and moral teachings. Mm -hmm. We can do that statewide here in Florida. We could mm -hmm. change things if we would really focus. You give us 20 years of focusing on these low-income communities and, and making sure oh, that we Oh, you've changed plan. the world. Yes. You've changed the world in that amount of time. Yes. And so it's not, the thing about it, it's not just the politicians either. It's the pastors. You would think that the pastors would understand that that that, that game plan. Mm -mm. Mm. And, here, and here's wow. why. Because we're, we're Americans and we're, we're capitalists. So we're Americans. And uh, hey, it happens to be that we make our money by doing certain things. Pastors, if they're successful, their success reinforces their model. So it's hard for them to be willing to break from their model if they're successful. Hmm. They will end up, they'll continue to do outreaches where they'll do a food program and they'll bring a bunch of food or they'll do a clothing program or a back to school program. And all of those are good because it shows that the Christians are generous. The big problem with that is after your outreach is done, you're packing up and going out of that neighborhood back to your own house. Mm. So what you've basically done to this garden is watered it. You might have sprinkled some seeds on it, but you've sprinkled seeds on everything and mm. watered every plant, weeds and all alike. So you didn't, you weren't really focused on how you administered your sympathy. Your sympathy was non-intelligent, and you're going to get the outcome of unintelligent sympathy. Mm. And um, so, but the, the if, if the pastors even understood mm. the the concept, no, the the community is a garden. How can we strategically work with one another and work this garden the way it's supposed to be worked? We'll have the confidence of the community. We'll have the confidence of other allies who want to invest in good projects mm -hmm. to help the community. As it is right now, organizations don't like giving to churches. They know that we're not engaged the way we're supposed to be. And so we have to create unique plans to get more money from our congregations. We have to create ploys and all kinds of anointed pillowcases and stuff like that and hope that, <laughs> hope that these people give more money during the Sunday service or whatever. We got to come up with gimmicks. Whereas if we would just serve, if we would just serve, um, we would gain the influence of our, of our peers that are in the community. We would watch these changes occur, but uh, it's, a matter of, uh, it's a matter of focus. Okay, I just have to interrupt and apologize because we're having our house uh, washed Deconstruction for the first time in years, zone. right? So what's happening now is there was a chemical sprayed on the house to get all the funk off of it, and that's what you guys are hearing. We apologize because once they put that on, you only have so much time. So we uh, couldn't even stop us. it. Yeah, we couldn't. Sorry. Right. <laughs> but you know, if Sorry. you think, Pastor, if you really think about what you're saying, not only is this biblical, get to the children, right? Mm -hmm. You have to teach them. If you teach them, then when they're older, they're going to change the entire nation. And yes. this is really right. where we've fallen apart. Like you said, they've they've prepped them. They've crept into our schools. They're teaching critical race theory. They're yes. taking all of these things to show them that they're ultimately victims instead of you know ta not taking advantage of the best nation in the world. Yes, that's really the situation. Yes, and you know I will tell you this, you know. I grew up traveling, and my dad traveled and sold Christian educational materials. Well, we didn't have a house till I was nine. We lived in an Airstream trailer. This studio is, is almost twice as big as that Airstream trailer, right? And so uh, I don't really remember feeling poor, by the way. Uh, I just thought this is the way it was. Mm -hmm. And um, you start to realize that my boys they think they have it bad sometimes i mean they really do and they are spoiled oh my goodness they have no idea 
And so I have to go backwards. And you just see that we live in the best country in the world. And we need to keep telling people that. Yes. You see? And, of course, we also have to tell them the good news. And this is where, you know, if you're thinking about the conservative, we have got to share this good news. But it's like the Israelites, right? So you're giving them manna, right? From yes. heaven so that they can go on to do other things. But that manna is coming from somewhere. Yes. But they still need it. Yes. They still need that manna to survive. Yes. And to, from, but from there, you're giving them things that help them flourish and heal. And I love that so much. Yes, yes. And think about it. It, it isn't complex. You know, um, but, you know, our enemy, he studies every aspect of our society and of our humanity. He even studies our religion and how we do what yeah. we do. And right. he will use anything he possibly can to take something to an extreme so that it yeah. becomes practicably damaging to the society. So he'll even use the idea and you pardon me with this one right here. He'll use the idea of a, of a rapture. And your necessity to prepare for it right now, right now, right now, right, 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 right. So, so that you pull yourself out of the regular routines of society. In other words, even sports becomes just worldly, don't you know? So we will turn our athletic associations over to these unbelievers or give no thought to organizing through sports to teach our children a certain way of life, how we relate with one another. Mm. So when I go to a football game and watch these little young boys play and you hear the coach cursing at the children, there's no one to blame but the church. We're sitting back and we're allowing the unbelievers to take over these major institutions that we would be able to use to convey proper culture and proper worldview. But we've backed off of that. But again, if we focused on the neighborhood, if we focused on just a particular community, you can go ahead and either create a league or create teams that can create uh, that can um, um, uh, participate in an already existing league. But while they're under your auspices, you're able to mentor them. So mm -hmm. I've coached myself and I mentor the children while I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. I do let the parents know that I'm about to do it. Yeah. And listen, Amen. do you mind that I pray with the, with your children? No, no, we don't mind at all. And when the parents are there, I give the mentoring to the children, which also blesses the families. I tell them about sportsmanship. I talk to them about their effort. I remember one year we had a guy, boy, this was a big game too. We had to win it. And one of our guys had to slide into second base. It was the ugliest looking slide you'd ever seen. I mean, I am for real. I mean, I'm the coach thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world was that? But at the end of the game, I was able to use that slide as an illustration of some Christian principle mm -hmm. that he gave the best he, he could to put us in the winning position. And even though it was ugly, he <laughs> did his best and he got and he was safe. And he got us, he put us in a better position. And I was able to tell them what the Christ did for us. And this happened 2,000 years ago. The kind of effort that, that the Christ gave for the salvation of humans, it wasn't mm. pretty, everyone. In other words, it just gave me a point to be able to coach the kids. Yeah, and a give mentor. Them, yeah, throw everything in for your fellow man. Mm -hmm. It might not be pretty, but you make certain that you live in a way that inspires people, even if it costs you. You make certain you throw everything in, even though others view it as ugly. You put the rest of the human race in the best position to win. Mm. Christ taught us how to do it. He modeled it. Now y'all get down to business. Amen. You know, that's how you do it. But day after day, you're talking to the kids about that. We'll talk about racism. I'll just throw it out there. The team is half black, half white. Uh, are you even concerned that this person here is black? 
Well, no. Are you concerned that they're white? No. Okay, this is the real world. So what, right. you're, so what you're hearing on TV, that's some other world they're talking about. This is the real world, and I expect for every one of you to carry this message of team to your neighborhood, to your school, everywhere you go. That's this right. is team, and that's you right. make certain that you uphold it. That's what I do. Well, so, you know, I love that you mentioned the rapture because, you know, I've been teaching Bible prophecy for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And what do you think the first question is when I, on, on virtually every class I've ever taught? Well, if there's a rapture, why do I need to know any of this, right? right? And, and then the second thing is I go, because Jesus said to occupy yes. until you comes. Yes. That's our attitude. It's not escapism. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Whenever that happens, right? So the reality is, is that this is the escapism that's really crept into the church. And, and the other thing I love to say about that is, this is one of my pet peeves, is that no matter when the rapture happens, it doesn't change what we teach in the pulpit. Right. Because somebody will be there. Yes. Even if we're not there, somebody's going to be there. Yes. Right? And, and how will they know if nobody what? Told them. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So you start to see how we have all these little escapisms and people just shut you down. And they're like, well, this all is prophetic. It's, it, it's inescapable. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's fatalism. It's mm -hmm. crept into the church as if we know the end times is now. And I love to talk about how the, what the Bible says is happening. But that doesn't mean this is the end times because we as Christians could turn this back. God wants to have more children. Yes. He wants this to go on. The only reason he comes back is because if he didn't, all of his would be what? Gone. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? So this is this is the, the times that we live in, and the other stuff is above our pay grade. We need to occupy until he comes. And uh, so we're kind of running out of time today, but we're going to be glad to get Pastor Alfred back here, hopefully another visit. And uh, what I want to say is that... Um, uh, you know, you start to see your approach mm -hmm. and that we need to be what? Cunning as snakes. Yes. Right? And this is, we need to sit down and think about this people group. What is it that God wants to say to them? And it always is grounded in the love. And they're going to need to see that. Yes. Right? Just like Onesimus had to see something, right? Yes. In order for him to be really become part of our faith. And this going out and caring for people and reaching these communities, right? This is the message of the gospel. But uh, go ahead and tell us how we can get a hold of you. And, uh, and also maybe a couple of your partnerships. I know you, you work with some different people, some of your peeps here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, so again, we are the Faith Action Ministry Alliance. FAMA is our acronym. Our website is famalliance.org. That's FAM, F-A-M, alliance.org. And you'll be able to see a lot of the stuff that we do there. Um, but yeah, you can get involved that way. Our contact information is there. Um, you know, we'd be glad to get with you, teach you how to plug into a local neighborhood. We could teach you how to do it in your neighborhood. It's not all that complicated, everybody, but it does take effort. I do have to admit it takes effort. Uh, we are literally, FAMA, on a daily basis, is either strategizing, we're reviewing uh, previous actions so that we can modify them, or we're engaged. One of those three are, is taking place every day. And, um, and uh, I just think that... Uh, uh, you know, the body of Christ everywhere can imitate it. So again, famalliance.org, uh, our phone number will be there as well. But also you can get involved. If you, if you do call that phone number, we can have you participate in uh, one of our two monthly meetings that we have to educate the community on 
what we do on the neighborhood level. It's the first and third Tuesday of every month. We meet from eight in the morning until nine. It's military time, eight to nine. It will not mm -hmm. go over an hour. And we fill you in on everything that we do. It's a very emotional experience because folks were helping real people. Uh, and when it's done, uh, we'll give you one phone call and you'll be able to tell us what you thought of the meeting and how you'd like to plug in. And we have a bunch of opportunities for you to serve. Again, it's neighborhood wide. You would expect that. So, um, no, so get onto our website, give us a call and we'll get you plugged in. Isn't it great to hear that people are Christians? are strategizing about how we can reach a new generation and how we can keep the race card from being something that destroys America into something that builds the most diverse country in the world, the most successful country in the world. And it all starts with exactly what we're teaching here. You're just washing the feet. Yep. Just yes. like Jesus said, you're just washing the feet. Yep. I love that. I'm yes. going gonna, gonna to check out one of these meetings because I want to be a part of it. It's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. I want thank to be you. in on this. Well, all right. Pastor, let's pray us out. All right. <laughs> Father, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those that listen today. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to them. Thank you for the power that they now wield to love their world and to yes. make permanent changes. Amen. We're grateful, Daddy. Uh, Daddy, we do understand that ultimately when all is said and done, we see you. But, Daddy, we don't want to leave like, like our brother said here. We don't want to have an escapist mentality. Daddy, we want to live like heroes while we're mm -hmm. here occupying the, time, occupying the planet like you said we would. And then we want to see you face-to-face -face celebrating, knowing that we put everything in while we were here. Mm -hmm. Now, Daddy, help us now. Help us to grow in your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God well, bless each one of you. Right, and we'll have his information in the show notes. You guys can always click on that and check it out. All right. God bless you guys. Thank have you a great guys. week. Bye. Hi everyone, this is Alex and Dr. Dennis is going to tell you all the science behind what I'm about to tell you and Kevin might be able to too. I'm not. I'm just going to tell you my own personal experience with using ProTandem. So my hair, because of my thyroid, has not grown in years. But I thought, you know, I'm just going to get serious about taking ProTandem, the Trisynergizer, all three, and see how it goes for a few weeks. And my hair growth was noticeable, not just to me, but to Kevin and also to uh, my, one of my beauty gurus. She noticed that my hair is growing back stronger and it's growing back faster. My hair hasn't grown in years. I mean, as a woman, that's not what you want, right? So I'm so happy to have my hair growing again. I'm not making this up. I wouldn't tell you something that I didn't really believe in and I believe in this. Also, I have a great story about my dog. Kevin ran over our dog broke his hip poor baby I had to throw him under the bus here and um that dog because of that has some osteoarthritis in that hip and every now and then it's noticeable he'll start limping and not stepping on that leg and I thought you know what I have some pet tandem in the cabinet let me just try giving it to him because I'd had it for a little bit and didn't give it to him so I gave him um according to his weight two of the pro tandem tablets and the next day you normally he'd be like that for a week or two you know even with some other supplements but the next day after taking the protandum he's been using that leg and he has not been doing that since it's kind of amazing so i highly recommend it and we'll have a link for it in case you want to check it out for yourself on the show notes thanks you guys <laughs> 
Thank you to our loyal subscribers and listeners. We really appreciate you guys. And we want to let you know about SupernaturalJunkies.com. If you sign up for the newsletter there, you'll be the first to know about anything that's happening with us, any events we might be doing. And also Kevin's book, The COVID Beast, is out now and available on Kindle. You can get that on our website. And the Audible version, as well as the softcover book, should be out in a few weeks from now. Signing up for that newsletter will get you in the loop to be the first to hear about it. We're also going to be coming out with SupernaturalJunkies.com gear with that cute cartoon logo, because some of you have been asking about that. We're going to have it on mugs, t-shirts, and hoodies, as well as stickers and magnets. If you want in on that, like I said, sign up for that newsletter. Also, if you love our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could write us a review on any of the platforms you listen on or share this with anyone you think might be interested. I know we harp on it all the time, but that's because that review helps us get found. It helps boost us on the algorithm. And that's why we're always asking. So, because we don't have a lot of reviews right now. So that would mean the world to us. Once again, we appreciate you guys. So grateful for you. Thank you and have a blessed week.